Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, Canuck Chase is a 26-square-foot mile forest and is widely believed to be the most haunted forest in all of the UK. Legends of a shape-shifting hitchhiker and demonic children with black eyes are just a few of the terrifying perplexities that plague this peculiar woodland. This is episode number 82 of Hometown Ghost Stories, The Haunted Forest of Canuck Chase. <laughs> July 2021, Staffordshire, UK. It was a late summer afternoon in the West Midlands as a young couple approached the edge of the notorious forest of Cannock Chase. The sun was setting and the trees cast ominous shadows across the long grass. Ruby glanced over at Tom, who stood next to her, adjusting the straps of his hiking pack. She was nervous and could tell he was too, but also knew he would never admit it. Are you sure about this? Ruby asked. Yeah, why wouldn't I be? He answered a bit too quickly, unknowingly exposing his bluff. They were familiar with the legends of the haunted forest and were well aware that it was illegal to camp in the woods. But the teenagers were determined and nothing was going to stop them at this point. They began their trek into the woods as the daylight waned eventually giving way to the darkness of night. Ruby clicked on her flashlight, flooding the path through the trees with the unnatural brilliance of the LED light. As they hiked deeper into the woods, Ruby began to notice the sounds of the bugs and animals in the woods becoming fainter the further in they travelled. Eventually, there was no sound at all aside from the crunching of the dirt and sticks beneath their feet. Ruby's nervous feeling from earlier had matured to an inarticulate feeling of dread. Have we gone far enough? She asked Tom. Tom turned. The expression on his face appeared to be that of relief. He swept his flashlight around and located a small clearing just big enough for a tent. That should work, he said. The couple worked together to set up the tent and start a campfire. The moon was full and hung low in the sky, partially obstructed by the dark silhouettes of the tree line. They sat and passed the time, waiting for something ghostly to happen, and before they knew it, a couple of hours had gone by, and the flames in the campfire had dissipated to a soft red glow. 
Ruby felt somewhat relieved that nothing scary happened, but couldn't shake that lingering feeling of dread deep in her gut. She announced she was tired and headed to the tent to try to sleep. Tom didn't protest and followed her. He, of course, fell right to sleep, leaving Ruby to lie awake, unable to drift off. As she lay there, staring at the canvas roof, something rustled in the bushes just outside the tent. Ruby froze. A chill crept down her spine. In theory, this shouldn't have raised any alarm, except that the woods had been completely silent up until this point. Another rustling sound was followed by rapid footsteps around the tent. Ruby sat up and grabbed Tom's shoulder. He grunted an unintelligible response, and she slapped his back, causing him to also sit up. He opened his mouth to say something, but she clapped her hand over his lips before he had the chance. She whispered, There's something out there. Tom glanced towards the mesh window of the tent and listened. More rustling sounds and then something darted by the window, causing them both to jump. Maybe it's an animal, whispered Tom, but as soon as he finished his thought, the sound of a giggling child echoed through the night. Ruby gasped and Tom went rigid. He pulled on his shoes and unzipped the tent door. Ruby wanted to protest, but was too scared to speak. Tom stepped out into the night and shone his flashlight into the trees in the direction he thought the giggle came from. Off to his left, he saw something scramble into the bushes from the corner of his eye. He quickly pointed the light in that direction and took a step towards it. Another giggle emanated from behind him in the trees. As he spun around, Ruby stepped out of the tent and grabbed his arm, causing him to jump. What is that? she asked. Tom didn't answer, just pointed into the trees. Ruby looked in the direction he was pointing, just in time to see a little girl poking her head out from behind a tree. Ruby felt the blood drain from her face as the little girl lifted her head revealing her eyes. They were completely black, as if her pupils had expanded to envelop the entire eye. Then, in a flash, the girl darted back behind the tree and disappeared into the night. I'm Anna from the Let Me Tell You A Scary Story podcast, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Canuck Chase, UK. Canuck Chase Forest, locally known as The Chase, is located in the north of Birmingham, Staffordshire. The forest was designated as the Canuck Chase area of outstanding natural beauty, but it is also believed to be a portal to another world, and the supernatural inhabitants can travel back and forth from it. The land was originally occupied by a Celtic tribe known as the Cornovii during the Iron Age. The name Cornovii is said to mean people of the horn, which supposedly relates to a horned god or devil, followed by many tribes and cults in Britain at the time. There are many stories of ritualistic killings and human sacrifices performed in the forest. In the mid-14th century, the Black Plague reached Europe from China via trade imports, 
and roughly half the population of Kanek was completely wiped out. The disease was such an effective killer that the Italian writer Boccaccio was quoted saying, Victims often ate lunch with their friends and dinner with their ancestors in paradise. Medieval society never really recovered from the Black Death that swept across the continent of Europe. In the 19th century, a doctor named William Palmer was convicted and hanged for the murder of his friend John Cook. The incident allegedly occurred after Palmer lost a considerable amount of money betting on a horse race. Cook, on the other hand, had won a lot of money on the same race and shortly after began complaining about his throat burning. Cook died not long after, and Palmer was arrested and charged with poisoning him with a chemical he had access to because of his medical practice. He was hanged on June 14, 1856, in front of a crowd of 30,000 spectators at Stafford Prison, the largest crowd ever to enter a prison for such an event. He was left to hang for an hour, and then subsequently buried without a coffin. The ghost of William Palmer, otherwise known as the Rugley Poisoner, still haunts the halls of the HMP Stafford, and sightings of an apparition matching his description are seen regularly in the forests surrounding the building. From 1875 all the way through the end of the First World War, Canuck Chase was used for military training and eventually prisoner of war camps. By 1916-1917, German soldiers captured or shot down anywhere over the UK were forced to live and work at these camps. In October 1918, a global influenza pandemic tore its way through the continent, and given the substandard living conditions in these war camps, many of the soldiers and detainees died horribly. The war ended the following month, but the chase would again be utilized for similar purposes two decades later, when the British military took up arms against Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. In 1959, the UK government and the Federal Republic of Germany agreed that rather than having the bodies of the soldiers spread out all across the country, it would be better to have them buried all in one place. So, they began transporting the remains from all corners of the British Isles to Canuck Chase. The cemetery was completed in June 1967 and holds roughly 5,000 bodies of German and Austrian soldiers and servicemen. Within the grounds of this cemetery, as well as surrounding areas, there have been many reports of paranormal activity, numerous ghost sightings over the years, as well as reports of disembodied whales and howling. It's also worth mentioning the sightings of a large devilish black cat who's come to be known as the Canic Chase Panther. In 1966 and 1967, the bodies of three adolescent girls were discovered on Canic Chase. The murders sparked one of the largest criminal investigations in British history, with over 150 officers on the case, searching over 37,000 homes and interviewing no less than 80,000 people. The discovery of these bodies came almost immediately after England's infamous Moores murders, where Ian Brady and Myra Hindley were charged with the murder of five children. Many people initially thought the Canuck Chase murders could be tied to the Moores murders, but in November of 1968, a man named Raymond Leslie Morris was caught attempting to abduct a 10-year-old girl. 
Fortunately for her, she got away. Morris probably also would have gotten away, except that the event was witnessed by an 18-year-old housewife who reported the car's license plate to authorities. Morris was only ever convicted of the 1967 murder due to lack of evidence in the other cases, but it was strongly believed by the judge and prosecutors, as well as pretty much everyone else, that Morris was guilty of all three. Raymond Leslie Morris was sentenced to life in prison, where he died in March of 2014. After the brutal murders in Canuck Chase, the infamy grew to an all-time high. Sightings of ghostly occurrences and paranormal perplexities began surfacing at an increasing rate. The legend of the shape-shifting hitchhiker dates back to at least the 1970s. One warm rainy night in June, a man was traveling by the Canuck Chase Forest in his car. At about 10.45 p.m., he noticed a young lady standing on the grass verge about 120 yards ahead. She looked young, maybe about 15 years old. Concerned that such a young lady was walking alone so late at night, he pulled over and asked if she needed a ride. She cautiously accepted the ride and climbed into the passenger seat. As they traveled down the road, the man asked the girl where she was headed. She told him that she was headed to the train station to meet her mother. He asked her why she was walking alone so late on a rainy night, and she didn't respond. The man glanced over to see if she had a reaction to his question, but she just sat there motionless. He returned his gaze to the road, squinting through the raindrops and the arc of the windshield wipers. What's your name? he asked. He didn't turn his head, just focused his gaze ahead through the rain sloshing across the windshield. A deep, raspy cackle emanated from the girl in the passenger seat. The man felt his blood run cold as he glanced over at the girl. Only, it wasn't a girl. A gray, withered old man sat in the seat where the girl was, his eyes glowing orange with crooked yellow teeth. He cackled in between labored breaths. The man gasped and slammed on his brakes. The car squealed to a stop, and the man looked over at the passenger seat, only to find it completely empty. Years later, in the mid-2000s, paranormal investigator and author Lee Brickley spoke of his experience with the shape-shifting hitchhiker in his book, UFOs, Werewolves, and the Pigman. Every night after work, he would walk home. His walk would take him through the Canuck Chase Forest. One night, a man pulled up and offered him a ride, which he enthusiastically accepted. As time went on, the man would regularly stop and pick him up as they both traveled the same route at the same time. One night, the car rolled up behind Lee and he noticed the man looking different, as if something were bothering him. Lee got in and asked if everything was alright. What the man told him sent ice through his veins. While driving on his usual route, he saw a woman standing on the roadside, staring blankly toward the road ahead. She looked cold and catatonic, like she was in shock, he explained. She was dressed in a blue cardigan and black jeans. She looked to be about 25. He pulled over and asked if she needed a ride, assuming maybe she had been in an accident. She didn't respond, only nodded blankly and got into the car. She sat in the back seat, and he heard her click on her seatbelt. He asked her a few questions as he drove along, 
but she never responded, just sat in silence. After the third or fourth question without response, he glanced in the rearview mirror and to his shock found himself looking into the eyes of an old hag with dirty sagging skin and yellow stained teeth. She grinned a wicked smile and the man slammed on the brakes. The car screeched to a halt and he turned around in his seat only to find nobody there. The sightings of the black-eyed children in the Canuck Chase forest began in the 1970s when a young couple claimed to have encountered a strange girl with entirely black eyes while walking through the woods. The couple claimed that while in the woods, they heard a young girl screaming for help. They followed the sound of her voice and saw a little girl around the age of 10 running through the trees. She seemed to move unnaturally in intermittent jerking motions. They didn't put much thought into it at the time, assuming she may have been injured, which would explain her cries for help. The couple found themselves chasing her. As they closed in on her, she turned to face them. She had a menacing look on her little face, and her eyes were pure black, like two glossy portals to an infinite nothingness. The couple stopped pursuing the girl as she sprinted off into the woods. Instead, they reported the incident to the police, leaving out the part about the eyes. The police conducted a search in the area, but never found the girl. Another similar case in 1982 occurred when a group of teenagers were partying in the woods. They witnessed a young girl, possibly aged six, running through the trees, crying for help. The teens followed for a short while, but stopped when the girl turned, revealing her gaping black eyes. Another instance happened just a couple of years ago, in 2021, when a young couple camping in the haunted forest witnessed a little black-eyed girl running around their tent while they tried to sleep. They exited the tent and pointed their flashlight at her. She exhibited pure black eyes in a venomous grin before disappearing into the woods. Other sightings of black-eyed children have been reported many times since this incident, and people are conflicted as to what exactly the phenomenon might be. Some speculate vampires or extraterrestrials. Others suspect they may be ghosts or demons. Some believe they may be the spirits of the two victims of the Canuck Chase murders, whose cases technically went unsolved after prosecutors failed to connect them to Raymond Morris. It's believed that their souls are forced to wander the forest searching for closure. The theory of demon children dates back to medieval England. The demon known as Cambion, otherwise known as the Devil's Brat, took the form of a devious child who would lead unknowing victims on senseless pursuits through the woods, resulting in their deaths. These demonic children are typically considered to be the offspring of upper-level entities and look like normal children, except for one unnatural detail. In this case, pure black eyes. What's going on, folks? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 82. 
We're talking, we're going back to the UK for this episode, and I am Jesse Wilkins, joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. You know, we do these investigations, right? And I'm really brave. Most would say <laughs> I'm the bravest out of everybody. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. And the one thing I definitely don't want to come across is the black-eyed children, because that is freaking terrifying. Who wants to see that? Agreed. Yeah. No, this is uh, actually one of the more terrifying ones. It, it seriously is. And it's, it's all over the world, too. Uh, we're also joined by Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. Happy to be here. Yes. Uh, turn your mic down a little bit, if you don't mind. It's quite loud. Mm. But uh, yeah, so this is this is an interesting episode. We had, I think, for the first time, we had a guest narrator on the intro of the podcast. We had uh, Captain McSlug's guest on the Port Royal episode. So this will be the second time we had a oh. guest and her southern sussex english accent is much more pleasant to listen to than jesse's northern english accent that he does sometimes yeah no one likes that well i'm gonna mm. push back a little bit on that i think it's really good job, so. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you to anna her podcast is the uh, let me tell you a scary story podcast and it is a very well put together podcast she is award-winning and did a very good job on that and that was pretty cool it definitely threw some people off in chat they're like wait dave He's gotten so good at his accent. I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah. What's up to everyone who's hanging out in live chat? We got a donation from uh, Mackenzie through $1.99 in Super Chat. We got a bunch of new members. Papa Squatch gifted 10 memberships. I think Swanee also gifted a membership, and I gifted 10 memberships. So, you're welcome, chat. If you guys get a chance, go check out Anna's podcast. It's on Spotify. The links are Spotify and iTunes. The links are in the show notes. And uh, let me tell you a scary story podcast is hosted by Anna, who read our story, and she reads out true life creepy stories every Friday. These stories have happened to ordinary people all over the world and simply can't be explained. They range from ghostly hauntings, glitch in the matrix tales, unexplained time lapses, alien sightings, possessions, near misses, demons, doppelgangers, stalkers, true crime, and much more. And as Jesse mentioned, she's uh, an award winning voiceover artist. Uh, and a sure to hook you in with her excellent, smooth storytelling voice. Mm-hmm. So close Sweet. the blinds, turn off the lights, snuggle under that quilt, and enjoy Let Me Tell You a Scary Story found on any podcast listening platform. Very good. And uh, it is a good podcast, so I definitely recommend you check it out. Yep, links are in the show notes, so check that out. Speaking of scary podcasts, we also have another special guest on today's show. That is Noah. Noah Daniels. Welcome in, Noah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Not too much, man. Thanks for joining. So Noah uh, is from the Real Hauntings podcast, and Dave and Rob were guests on on their show, and it was a very well put together episode, and also a very good podcast. Yeah, that, the great thing about that is Noah messaged us, and he's like, "We we would really like to have Dave and Rob on. Please make sure that Jesse's not available for that show." And we acquiesced, and it was great. He also said, please don't tell Jesse. So you, you screwed that up. <laughs> I do feel no. like I need a uh, double dose, like a bonus Lexapro after watching that video. I am pretty terrified. It was a scary one. Definitely scary. The the black eyed children is not something I want to encounter. Definitely not. Something that our chat seems to be pretty terrified of. Every time we mention child ghosts, they always seem to think that they are demons. And in this case, they might actually be. 
Yes, yes. It is the going theory. So Noah, tell us a little bit about your show. Yeah, so I am one of the hosts of the Real Hauntings podcast, Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories. If you want to look up the full name that I did a long time ago for SEO and now regret it. So we go by Real Hauntings podcast for short. But basically every Monday we release an episode where we interview somebody about their true real haunting. And kind of in the beginning, our niche was that we all were skeptics of varying levels that wanted to believe in the paranormal. Now we've been doing this for, man, over three years, a million downloads later. I'm definitely a full believer now. Um, Kat, one of the other mainstay, she's basically pretty close to believer. And JJ, who is like the hardcore skeptic, started a zero on the believer scale. It's probably about like at a five now. So you get to really see a, a fun transition through listening to podcasts. Uh, spoiler, Kat and JJ end up getting married. So if you start listening, you start going, huh, these two like each other. And then, you know, it kind of bubbles on from there. So that's kind of a fun little uh, ditty with the podcast. But yeah, we, we just wanted to present kind of a rough look at these stories, give these people a safe space to tell their stories. So many people said, man, you know, I, I, I didn't think anybody else was like me out there until I listened to your podcast. And it's been like really rewarding. Uh, and it's also just spooky and scary, which I love. And I like interviewing interesting people. And Lord knows the paranormal provides that for all of us, I believe. Yeah, yeah I sure. actually, I want to jump into Canic Chase and start talking about some of the stories there. But before we do, Noah, you told me and Dave a story off air when we were guesting on your show about something that happened to you in Las Vegas. And I think our chat especially would really enjoy hearing this because it was creepy. If you don't mind sharing that with everyone. No, yeah, don't mind at all. And uh, shout out to the chat. I've been reading it as we've been on and uh, they've been keeping me entertained as long as as well as you guys. But yeah, so I've had two um paranormal experiences. Both are where I saw apparitions. I'll tell you the really short version of the first and then give you kind of the longer version of the second. First happened when I was like 12. Uh, I was playing hide and go seek at my friend's house. Grew up in a town of 15,000 people. This guy grew up in a mansion that took up an entire block. This is in Mississippi. So you can guess the haunted uh, ways. Where in Mississippi? Yeah, it's in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, Yeah. But um, so this, this house had an elevator in it at night. It would just randomly turn on, go up and down. But anyway, the way we played hide and go, hide and go seek was uh, we'd all go into his room, turn off all the lights. Whoever was hiding would hide, wouldn't be allowed to move. Whoever was it had to go find them. It's kind of like a fun, scary way to play hide and go seek. So I was it. I saw one of them run across the room, which was obviously breaking the rules. So as like a jerky 12-year-old, I was going to swipe them like really hard for breaking the rules. And my hand went right through them. Um, clearly not one of my friends and the entity, whatever it was, was like facing this way. And then it turned and then I'll never forget. It had like these red reflective eyes that just kind of gleaned back at me. All of us in the room screamed and ran out. Didn't really talk about it much after then. Uh, Fast forward 15, 16 years, my buddy came to visit me in Atlanta whose house it was. And I was like, Hey, you remember when we were kids? And before I could finish sentence, he was like, Oh, we all saw that ghost in my room. We were playing hide and go seek. He's like, yeah, I think about that all the time. Wow. So that's, that's kind of the original thing that got me interested in the paranormal was that experience. Uh, I had little things happen, but fast forward to this past October, my wife and I went to Vegas for Halloween to go to uh, when we were young fest, we're super excited. We went to a costume party, I think that Friday night. And then we went back to our hotel room 
and fell asleep around one or so. And I woke up right at three on the dot. I remember because, you know, it had like the red lights on the clock um, and, and the, as hotel rooms do. And I looked over and there was this boy staring at me. He had to be between like eight and 12, not very old. And he wasn't dressed in like relevant clothing. It was, I guess, like probably 20s if I had to put money on it. Like definitely dressed to go like work in the kid factory. You know? Did he have black eyes? He did not have black eyes. <laughs> Thanks. I was going to say, every other, every other piece <laughs> that you just listed is like an exact description of how these black-eyed children are, which is between the ages of 8 to 12, they're dressed in different kind of clothing. But it, but no Except for that one important detail. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the headliner there, the, the, the main kicker. Oh, well. Punchline. Yeah, so I, I do get sleep paralysis from time to time. Um, I don't see entities. I just see like a spider drop down on my face. It doesn't happen as much anymore, uh, but it has happened throughout my life. So it's happened enough that when I saw the kid and once I kind of got over the initial shock of it, I thought to myself, well, I must be having sleep paralysis, but I can't move during sleep paralysis. I'm just kind of, you know, stuck. Hence paralysis. <laughs> so I then rolled over and I was like, well, okay, I must be out of the paralysis. I'm going to roll back over and the kid's not going to be there. Well, he was still there. And I should mention too, it was, he wasn't like in full color. It was kind of like um, just tones of gray. It's like how my memory uh, ha- has it. And then at this point I'm starting to freak out a little bit. I roll back over one more time and I'm like, I'm just, I was like, this isn't real. What I'm, and this is, I've interviewed, hundreds of people about their stories and i'm still telling myself this isn't real like as i'm experiencing it and i was like okay i'm gonna roll back over one more time he's not gonna be there i'll go to sleep so when i roll back over there was an older man behind him with his hand on his shoulder dressed in the same exact you know type of clothing like the same era of clothing <sighs> sorry i just just thinking about it like kind of freaks me out a little bit but um so that that scared me. Now they were they were not threatening. They were just looking at me as if I was like a fish in a fishbowl, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of observing. Um, so I, I I did the thing that I've heard in so many podcast episodes that I never understood. I rolled back over, pulled the covers over my head, and and went to sleep. And um, well, yeah. that's that's kind of the thing. It's like people are like, I'd be out of there. I'd be you know. It's first of all, even if you're home. It's 3 a.m. Where are you going? So my my situation was similar. It happened at like 1, 2 in the morning for the story that our listeners know. And I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. So I went and laid in bed and I just laid there, rolled over. Because am I going to leave and hope to go get a hotel down the street for what, two hours? Three, you know, like you're in Vegas. Where the hell are you going to go? It's Vegas at 3 a.m. You can go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And and just to clarify, because people may be wondering, I was at Mandalay Bay. So if people are wondering what, um, you know, casino it was at. But yeah, my wife is a huge skeptic. I told like when we woke up that morning, I was like, babe, I saw this ghost. And she was like, yeah, cool. And just like, (laughs) I was like, damn it. I was like, I'm going to have to wait and share this with the podcast audience to get any sympathy. Probably wonder what kind of drugs you found on the streets of Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) That's an, that's honestly a horrifying story. And it's hard to get, 
stories with like that vivid of a description. A lot of times yeah. it's just you see a shadow figure or you see an orb or you hear something that doesn't make sense or whatever. Those are your run-of-the-mill ghost stories. And that's kind of what most of us have experienced is either hearing some sort of a conversation that you shouldn't be hearing, seeing some sort of a shadow figure, which me and Rob have seen multiple times. And it's funny that you had brought up kind of the the cast of your podcast where you have your skeptic, you have someone that's in the middle, you have someone that's a true believer. That was kind of when we started doing the show, that was kind of what we were, where Dave was kind of the hardcore skeptic. I was kind of on the fence about things and Rob was more of the believer. But as you do more of these shows and cover more of these cases and in our, in our situation, most importantly, visit more haunted locations. It seems that we're all leaning more towards the uh, it's hard to say that this isn't real type stance, which is kind of where we're at now, I believe. I just want to point out that um, other than going back to bed, we could do what Mackenzie did. And she literally jumped out a window to get away from a ghost. So I guess you should jump out the window of Mandalay Bay next time you're there. That's <laughs> probably a good idea. It's a, a good way to become a ghost. I don't <laughs> yeah. get away from the ghost. <laughs> Those windows don't open. He's <laughs> um, not trying hard enough. <laughs> but yeah, there is something to, you know, you you hear all these stories, you go and do your own investigations. For me, it was having all these people on who many of them, especially in the beginning had nothing to promote. You know, they, they just wanted to share their story and, and you, you know, they start talking, you start to hear the, the fear in their voice as they go back into the story. And, and you could just tell, like, even if they're wrong, they're telling the truth about what yeah. they experienced it. And then you start to hear all these similarities between the hat man, the shadow man, the, you know, the kid ghost, the uh, certain smells, certain sounds, uh, things that people do to counteract, you know, what they believe to be evil spirits or demons. And it's just like it gets so troped in that it would be I would be very hard pressed to be like, all right, everybody just got on the same page and decided to make all of this up. Like it just I, th I think that's. This would be very difficult. Um, mm. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tough to stay a skeptic when you hear so many people that are telling their story honestly. Just to hear all these stories, then, I mean, they're yeah. not all making it up, like you said. Yeah, with with a lot of the chat and a lot of the listeners, I mean, like we have a bunch of these guys are in our Discord and they'll submit. We have a whole thread for your ghost stories and there's people will just you know, submit their ghost stories all day long and reading through it. It's like, we're not all liars, right? Yes. Maybe just Rob. And so, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, so I, I think that's part that has swayed me the most is just listening to, to people's stories and what they've been through and everything like that. It's uh it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see what these, um, what everyone goes through and, and how everyone kind of crosses over and becomes more of a believer in this kind of stuff. Uh, there was a question cash had asked Dave, what, what is your current status? He asked if you are still a skeptic. I am significantly less skeptical than I was. I'm more on the, I'm more of the opinion that I don't have everything all figured out, and this universe has so many different perplexities, which is like my word of the day. That are just this, this too big and too complex for the human mind to really understand. So I'll leave it at that. No, it's good. It just means you're more open-minded. The worst kind of skeptic is the ones that just no matter what is presented, they just find a way to debunk it without really without taking debunking it. it. Yeah. yeah without, lazy, without, a lazy skeptic. Yeah. I would um, say what else is like, it. is really difficult uh, is when you have somebody on who tells you that everything you believe in the paranormal is wrong. And that this is the only way the paranormal exists. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. literally the paranormal. Like, it's, yeah. Right. <laughs> 
like, train the name with that. Yeah. 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 We, we always say we don't make the rules because nobody knows for sure. We're all trying to figure this out. And just because one thing happens in one house doesn't mean everything has to follow that set of rules. We don't know. There's different situations. And I think getting into Canic Chase is the perfect example of that because as we were going over like some of the stuff that happens in Canic Chase, it's like, this is the Bridgewater Triangle. Like it, for us locally, it's, this place has everything. Like it is a terrifying place of a million different paranormal activity. And we're going to just touch on the ghosts today, but man, we might have to do a, a, a dark mysteries episode at some point because there's Pigman bear. Man over bear there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you get a few yeah. things. Yeah. And the first, the first thing I drew a connection with was because I thought the same thing. As soon as we saw that there was a hitchhiker, then I was like, Ooh, that's a lot like the Bridgewater triangle or ghostly hitchhiker that shape shifts. And these stories in particular were, I found these to be much scarier than the Bridgewater triangle ones, but we'll definitely be covering those when we, when we jump into that, not to downplay the Bridgewater triangle hauntings, but just the way that these stories were told is, is pretty wild and pretty horrifying. And then it's, you also have the, the black eyed children, which has always been one of the scarier ghost stories and it, it, it they are widespread around the world and even in america but i think it's mostly around like texas and, and down south that that you have reports of these black-eyed children i'm sure they pop up elsewhere in the united states but it seems like that's where they're centralized there's a crazy story about um a couple of black-eyed kids that showed up on the doorstep of a couple in vermont do you want to hear that story Yes. Does it involve your MMA training? And that's how they got their black eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's an important part of it. That's just the beginning of the training. Like right when the fight is announced, boom, they just start, they start punching children and then it, it evolves up to, uh, to adults after that. It's Do you like how I laugh? Around? Like I got the inside joke. I'm just like, <laughs> 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 it's kids. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you. There is no inside joke. We just okay. Dave just punches kids. It's not even a joke. It's actually really concerning. It's fair. Yeah. So in Vermont, an elderly couple hear a knock at their door late one night. When they open the door, they see two small children standing there with their heads down. They ask if they can come inside and wait for their parents to come pick them up. The couple find this unusual given the time of night, but decide to let them in. The wife goes into the kitchen to make some tea while the husband sits in the living room with the kids. He started asking them questions about who they were and where they came from, but they didn't answer. When the wife came into the living room, she noticed the children's eyes were completely black. She also noticed that their cats, who would typically hide when guests were over, were all out and acting very hostile and agitated. The children asked to use the bathroom. She was uncomfortable at this point, but led them to the bathroom. When she returned, she saw her husband holding his nose with blood dripping down his arm. When he had seen their black eyes, his, his nose had immediately started ble bleeding profusely. As she ran to get him a cloth for his nose, the power to the house went out. The woman changed course and headed to the bathroom to get the kids, but as she rounded the corner, saw them standing at the end of the hall like the twins from The Shining. They were muttering under their breath that their parents were here. The woman opened the front door to see two tall, slender men standing at the end of the driveway. The children ran to them, and they all got into the car and drove off. As soon as they were gone, the power came back on. Over the next few days, a series of strange and terrible things began happening. Three of the four cats went missing, and the fourth was found dead in a pool of its own blood. The husband continued to get frequent nosebleeds, where he 
had never had this problem before. And the nosebleeds ended up being a symptom of skin cancer. And all of this happened after their incident with the black-eyed children. And this is in Vermont. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's, can that's can we have that read again, but can you get Anna to do it, please? <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. Yeah. So, I mean, the first big no-no is don't let them in. Don't let them in your car. Don't let them in your house. So the, there seems to be like a set of guidelines on how to deal with these um, these children. So I don't know, they, but there like, seems to be some well, things. You don't that are... see their face, right? So you don't see the eyes because they're hiding them. You feel bad because there's children at your door, right. like. But you got to pay attention. So so there's a few things that'll be off. Like if they were to show up, first of all, they try not to show their eyes at first. And you're right; they try to either hide them or they'll be looking at the ground. But their speech, like there's always like something off with them where they're either asking a question that has nothing to do with anything. Like there was another case where one of them showed up to someone's door and they answered like, uh, uh, hi, what can I do for it? And he's like, it's time for, he's like, it's time for eating or something like that, or it's time to eat. Or it was just, it just made no sense in the context. And it was something that was off. And then you're not supposed to look at them in the eyes or whatever, but I guess if you kind of like turn around or then turn back, a lot of times they'll disappear. Their skin is said to be like white, but like it almost looks like, they're wearing someone else's skin I've heard where it's like the texture of it is off. Um, So yeah, these weird little things. And then they're always wearing old timey clothes. And I know not from what we like to call pink haunting uh, years, which would be like late 1800s, early 1900s. But it seems like a lot of them are reported to be wearing clothes from like the 50s, 60s and 70s, which is kind of an interesting detail. And these are just kind of the most common ones. So it's something to look out for. And yeah, they always seem to be speaking just in phrases that kind of don't make sense. It could be like in incoherent rambling, which you got a little bit of that in that story, but I've never heard the the parents being introduced to the situation. So that's a little bit different in that Vermont case. We had a guest on, her name's Mackie. She's um, she's on TikTok. She has like surfboarding videos and a van, but anyway, she also has ghost content, but she shared a story on our podcast where black eyed children, they were like somewhere in California, uh, like some uh, cabin retreat, like big bear kind of place. Mm -hmm. And her parents, she was a teenager. Her parents had gone to the grocery store to get food. And then she heard some noises outside the cabin and she thought it was her parents like getting back. And so she, I went to the window, didn't hear anything. And then she heard like faint knocks on the door and she went and kind of like peered, you know how like some doors will have like a blind um, down or whatever. So she like peered and she saw two children. If I remember correctly, this has been like two years, but uh, it was like a, what appeared to be like a brother and sister, a boy and a girl. Um, and they just were like, help, let us in, help. And like just faint knocks, faint knocks. And, and she said she kept looking and kept looking. And then she like kind of hid and then came back and they were still there. And then she saw the black eyes, uh, immediately called her parents. And I think they were driving up and as like the headlights were coming up, she went back and looked and the kids were gone. That's actually terrifying. And that reminds me, actually, you mentioned the knocking. That's another detail where it's their knocking is not the way a child would knock at a door, right? You expect it to be one of two things when a child knocks at a door. Either it's fast and quick and they just knock, 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 or it's like soft and kind of, I don't know, um, lacks confidence, right? Just a little kid nervously knocking at a door or whatever. These things will knock and it'll just be like slow and deliberate and it'll just be just knock, knock, and they will not stop until you either open the door or acknowledge them or whatever. It's just a consistent three knocks. It isn't four knocks. They just sit there and just keep knocking just over and over again, just really 
deliberate kind of hard knocks at your door, which is just another creepy detail to this whole scenario. It is. And they'll do the same for your car. If you're driving through the forest of Canuck Chase, they'll try and open the door handle. And I assume they do it like every other regular kid, which is just pull the door handle nonstop until you unlock the car door. <laughs> you just got to keep it. No, you stop for a second. I hit the button. <laughs> oh, oh can I share time. a super creepy hitchhiker story that we had that Absolutely. when we were watching that video, it, it kind of reminded me of that. So we had on uh, this individual from Malta, uh, which is, if you don't know about Malta, it's kind of a cool place to read about. It's like this small Almost island. Move there. Came yeah. So close. People speak English and their native um, Malta language as well. Anyway, it's pretty cool. So she came on and she was like, yeah, I've got one story that's pretty crazy. I'm like, okay, cool. So she starts talking about how her brother and her driving back, I think from like dinner or a party or something. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, somebody is in the middle of the road and her brother careens right over them and so she's yelling pull over pull over pull over and so he pulls over they both get out of the car they can't find the person there's no damage to the car there's there's no blood there's no guts there's nobody screaming there's nobody anywhere and so they get back in the car drive home and I was, and of course, I asked her, well, what'd you do? Did you call the police? Did you, like, what, what was your reaction once y'all both got home? And she said, well, he poured me a glass of whiskey and we both looked at each other and knew we'd never speak about it again. And I was like, you're on here telling like, <laughs> tons of people about this story. You can't tell anybody. And she was you like, oh, that's rule a good number one, a fight club. <laughs> yes. And she was like, oh, that's a good point. Like, okay good luck with that but i was like okay either they just had like some wild like supernatural experience or maybe they ended somebody you know it's, it sounded like kind of a coin flip well if there's no damage to the car no blood in the street no body nobody yelling either they didn't either they just missed them or it's a ghost right those are the two options because they definitely yeah. didn't hit them if there's no damage or they just have a really good cover-up story in a <laughs> guy who works at an auto body shop that you know was quick to help him out. We didn't That's... see him because we put him in the trunk. It was crazy. You can't see him if you put him in the back. Yeah. No, we threw him really deep in the woods. Couldn't even see him. Oh I mean, that's what they think happens to the guy in the Bridgewater house, right? Like they think that he might have got hit while walking down the road looking for that cow, and wow. uh, that trunk, some trunked somebody, him up and kept going. Somebody threw him in the trunk and hid the body and he was never found so it, it does happen that we're not sure that's what happened to him but that is one of the two prevailing theories of what did happen so. we haven't ruled out the idea that him and the cow eloped and then it didn't work out so the cow, the came, cow back. came back jesse the I, cow I, came I just back. said it didn't work out so that's why the cow came back you just uh -huh. hate a good love story <laughs> that's what it comes down to I just, uh, so I was pausing so you the, can edit that awful story. So I can take the whole joke right out. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a good cow pun, but nothing was coming. To... Yeah, Rob, I thought you were pausing, just waiting for us to make fun of you for being single, oh, which is why you hate I mean, a good love story. I mean, I'm fine with it. So this this Canic Chase is uh, is the the epicenter for weird shit, and I got a lot of the uh, stuff from this book that looks like not a super credible source if you look at it but this is a great example of not judging a book by its cover so a lot of the history that was in this book i was able to cross-reference and it all checks out and a lot of the a lot of the stuff that he is included in this book is all 
witness testimony that he went over and and uh, and collected. Here's the author. Looks like a looks like he knows his stuff. But um, a lot of good stuff in this book. And there was there's so many do you, things. Do you want to shit on this book anymore? Like, what are we I'm doing? not shitting on the book? I'm just saying it was credible. It was really credible book. It just the it's called UFOs. Uh, if you're listening and not watching, it's called UFOs, Werewolves, and the Pigmen, and it's written by Lee Brickley. And he does a really good job. It's really detailed. And it's hard to write a book about UFOs and werewolves and pigmen and be taken seriously. But he did, he put in a, a ton of work, obviously, and went through and interviewed a ton of people and shared their stories uh, in this book. And it was actually a really good read. I read it in about a day. And um, I strongly recommend it if you like this type of spooky stuff. But yeah, stories about werewolves, UFO, the werewolf story is actually pretty crazy. And like Rob said earlier, we're probably going to cover this place again on a dark mysteries episode and hit on all the cryptids. The werewolf story is pretty crazy. The werewolf one. I was one that was very intriguing because I've, I've never heard a werewolf story like that. So I do want to tell that eventually, just not tonight. I was curious about that area. I kept reading where people online were talking about that area as a, a portal were they meaning like a portal to hell or just because all the supernatural uh, stuff going on there? Do you guys know why that why they kept talking about it being a portal? I think that the portal theory for this particular location, it follows. It's a common theory that if enough bad things happen in one location, it can open up a portal for like a basically a dimen- interdimensional portal where different things can come through, whether it's aliens from other universes or or basically anything, which is why you end up with werewolves and UFOs and ghost stories and shape-shifting hitchhikers and things like that. That's the theory. This episode has turned you from skeptic Dave to tinfoil hat Dave. I'm just a day of cryptid Dave. <laughs> UFOs I'm not saying I subscribe to all of these beliefs about this interdimensional portal. I'm just telling you what the theory is. Right, all right. No, I we appreciate that. Like I said, with, with all of these things, especially portals, because just recently we started kind of learning what they are and where they come from and everything. So it's good to just approach all of these things with an open mind. But there's also, we see this throughout the world, right? We, we've brought up the Bridgewater comparisons. There's also like the Bermuda Triangle. There's other places all throughout the world that have like these condensed areas of just crazy activity. And, and you go back and you'll find newspaper clippings like telling different stories and just it's not new is what I'm saying. Like this, it's all old stories that all come together. People seeing the same stuff. You can chase down legends. You can chase down like actual cop, like responses. Yeah, some of this stuff. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, there are a lot of times it's condensed to like a 50 mile radius, hundred mile radius and disappearances, cult yeah, activity, to- cryptids, everything. There has to be a reason with some of these places why there's so much activity just in those areas, not just like one haunted house, but like you mentioned, the Bridgewater Triangle or this whole forest or the Bermuda Triangle or just these areas around where there's a heightened level of strange activity going on for not just the last few years, but hundreds of years, in some cases, thousands of years. There's got to be a reason, whether it's ley lines or waterways or, or just dark history that's happened at the place or whatever. I'm sure it all adds to it, but there's a reason behind all of it, I believe. It's, it can't well, just be coincidence. When I you mean, have, this area is covered in death. 
like yeah. everything that's, you looked about this, whether it's from all the soldiers being buried there, you know, they're like castles where things happen, the the children murders. I mean, it's it's just soaked in it. So if you believe that, you know, if you believe in the residual energy theory of, of supernatural, of course, there's going to be stuff going on there. I mean, even just if you knew about all that stuff and went out to go, say, camping, uh you know, you could even see how you could project some of that stuff from your mind into those woods, because that's all I know for me, that's all I would be thinking about that night as I'm sitting in that tent. It's just the, you know, hodgepodge of, of hauntings and, and people that have passed and are buried in that area. Right. And when you have like a bunch of people that are going into, let's just call it a haunted location or a haunted forest, when you have a bunch of people that know about these stories and they're scared and they have these heightened levels of energy because they're all just terrified, something can feed off that energy and manifest. And that's kind of the theory between ghosts being able to pull energy from sources and use it to to manifest. So you you cl- literally going into a place where everyone's all scared shitless. It's it's it could cause a, a elevated level of haunting in a place. And then there's the skeptical side, where if you have an aggregate of actual death of things that happened, horrible things that happened, like what Noah was saying, with you had all the soldiers buried there, you had the the, the child murders, there's a, a couple of other murders that happened in the area also. And once you have that aggregate of horrible things, the place becomes scary to people because of those things that actually did happen. And now people start seeing things that they think are there that might not actually be there might be their imagination. It might be them seeing what they want to see. This place has a lot of crazy paranormal stuff though. So you can't, I I can't, you can't discount all of it, but Mm -hmm. you don't know if it's um, exaggerated. Yeah. When you uh, know that places, yeah. When you, especially an outdoor location, if you go to an outdoor location that you don't think is haunted, if you're just going out camping, for example, and something weird happens, you'd be like, Oh, that was weird. But if you're in a haunted forest and something weird happens, you'd be like, well, that was because it's haunted. You know, so it's just you're you're right on that side of it. That that would be the skeptical side, but that doesn't explain what people are seeing here. It's not just strange occurrences. This is like ghostly hitchhikers, black-eyed children. Like like you're dealing with with some pretty top-tier hauntings and pretty terrifying stuff. What I like about the the uh, hitchhiker is the shape the shape shifting aspect of it, and the fact those two stories that I included. One was from the Pigman book and one was from an internet forum where somebody shared their story and they were 30 years apart and they were very similar. They were, they, the driver picks up a hitchhiker who is a young lady. She gets in the car, she acts kind of weird. And then somewhere along the way, she turns into somebody completely different. One of them was a terrifying looking old man and the other one was an old hag woman in the back seat, and then disappears. So it's very similar stories, very far apart. I like the consistency of it. That mm-hmm. is just a terrifying, terrifying story altogether. Dude, I don't know if I would pick up my own mother on the side of the road now. Like hitchhiking seems so dangerous to pick somebody up. Yeah, seriously. One of them I think happened in the seventies, so that was kind of a big thing mm-hmm. back then. Everyone kind yeah. of hitchhiked around. The other one was from like the mid two thousands. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, you don't <laughs> see a hitchhiker for in the woods at night. <laughs> Especially out here, you don't see it very often. Every time I do drive by someone that's hitchhiking, I'm like, wow, he's looking to kill someone right now. And I don't pick them up. Right. Well, I guess the difference is if you see it's a young girl standing there, that might be. I mean, it should raise alarm because why would a young girl be hitchhiking? In 2023. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But in the exactly. 70s, it was just a, a way to. You got around. Yeah. Yeah. You just, just got to hitchhike around. all across the country. Yep. Yeah. And that's 
you know, the if you want to talk about like an active time for serial killers, the 70s, 60s with hitchhikers was brutal. Like it, it's some of the craziest stuff. And just to go to some more of the the murders, I know they weren't completely tied to this. They were just like a passing thought. But the the more murders that you brought up, if anyone has never looked into those, those are awful. That was yes. like an awful, awful thing that happened in England. It's a case that I've revisited a few times because it's just I don't I just I don't understand how these people find each other. How do these like killer couples just like Right, because that was that was with the Myra Hindley and Ian Bra- Brady there. And that was that was yeah, that was such a crazy story. Again, not not connected to Canic Chase at all, but there was that confusion of those two murders happening so close together in time that people thought they were connected even though they weren't. But yeah, two people that just happen to be serial killers meet each other or not serial killers yet, but they meet and decide to become serial killers. Like, yeah, what a it's gotta be, it's shot be... that is making that pitch. Like, Hey, <laughs> right. hear me out. <laughs> it's gotta be more common that the latter would happen. Right. Where like a couple just decides that they're going to start killing people. The, the, the likelihood two serial killers just happen to start being like, well, you know, I got to tell you something. And then she's like, I got to tell you something. <laughs> We're both serial killers. Like, oh, no. Let's say they, the they escalate. They always escalate each other. There's a couple more from England that have done this. We obviously know the uh, Ken and Barbie killers that happened as well. But they they kind of like rile each other up. But man, it's a whole nother episode. It's just it's crazy that they get to that point is what I'm saying. Like, even though like you can egg somebody on and like I guess some sort of peer pressure, you're still okay to go along with it. And then they just get to that point. It's like. Maybe we should have found a stopping point somewhere along these lines, and uh, they just don't. There was another murder in Canic Chase from the early 1900s that ended up being tied to a ghost story, and the the story's pretty interesting. So it was 1913. Henry Thomas Gaskin married his longtime girlfriend, Elizabeth Talbot. They lived in Hedensford, which borders Canic Chase, and after they got married, they had a child right away. Then, in 1914, Henry gets arrested for minor theft and gets sent to prison for what now seems like uh, an unusually long time for petty theft. But in 1916, he gets released early on the contingency that uh, he has to go fight in World War I for Britain. So he did that. When he finally got home, he found that Elizabeth had gone and had a kid with another man. And he was really bothered by this. So he took her into the woods where he beat, strangled, decapitated and dismembered her and threw the pieces into a pond. He ended up confessing to the murder and led police to her remains. He was arrested and convicted of her murder. He was hanged for the crime on August 8th, 1919. And many people Uh, believe that her ghost still wanders the area of the woods where she was killed. And it's actually so widely believed that the area was haunted by her ghost that it is strictly referred to as Gaskin's Wood. So if you're in that area and you end up in Gaskin's Wood, it is because it's named after Elizabeth Gaskin who was murdered there. Uh, so I mean, once he was hanged, that just ruined all possibilities of them getting back together. Yeah, yeah, that was really the, the end of that. Mm-hmm. It's tough to come back from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, there's just so much. And think of the stuff we don't know about. There's so much that we know about. And we always talk about this with like these places. These are the woods. There's been some shit that's probably gone down in these woods that we just have no clue about in terms of murder. And this is England as well, right? So their history is 
much more um, robust than America. We're talking, you know, thousands of years as opposed to hundreds of years. So there's just so many possibilities of what's gone down in this in this area. Yeah, there really is. And there's just so much here that that happened. You have the, the Rugli poisoner. That's another crazy one where the, the doctor killed his friend after, which seems really unreasonable. They were betting on a horse race. And mm. I don't think the, the situation was one of them lost money to the other one. I think it's one of them just lost a bunch of money and the other one happened to win a bunch of money and he got pissed off and poisoned his friend who died. It's, that's no. fair. That's fair. It is. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we've gone to Foxwoods a few times. Rob lost all his money immediately and thought about poisoning us just out of spite. But um, instead, he just leaves his own birthday party. <laughs> I got happened one year. Did that but happen? This, uh, yeah. We're, was, we're, I was still on my way to the casino to go celebrate your birthday. No, you it was your birthday. Jesse. Left. Well, was it my birthday? Yeah, it's even yeah. worse. It's even, <laughs> even, even better. Even wait for the birthday boy. <laughs> But this guy was also actually suspected of poisoning four of his children, as when as well as other family members. They all died under suspicious circumstances, and Palmer, the poisoner, benefited financially from all of their departures. That sounds so, so much like the um, the lady from the Glen Sheen. Oh, that's right, murder, murder mansion. Uh, mm-hmm. Ron Meshbacher, if you're in chat, uh, allegedly, 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 allegedly. Yeah. Palmer, the po- poisoner, sounds like an old school WWF wrestler from like the mid '80s. <laughs> It does. <laughs> he just sneaks up and chloroforms someone from behind. Purple boots for some out, reason. Yeah. I don't know. But <laughs> there's other kind of hauntings as well. You also have like the ghosts of soldiers. And then there's mm-hmm. also a horseback riding ghost. That was the ghost of um Anglesey. Anglesey. Did you read about that one? I didn't know. Uh Henry William Peggett, Peggett. First uh Marcus. Oh, I'm pronouncing everything wrong. This is why I didn't want to do this. Sorry, I I'll fix it. One famous ghost is Henry William Paget, first Marquess of Anglesey. The Paget family was... <clears throat> what is happening, right? He's supposed to been seen riding horseback through the woods, often accompanied by a pack of ghostly hounds. So we have ghost dogs as well as a uh, horseback riding ghost. He used the uh, he used the lands as personal hunting grounds. doesn't really say how he died, but that's, that's one. So horseback riding ghost with his ghostly dogs, soldier ghosts, and others as well. McKenzie has just learned about the Birkenhair, uh, Birkenhair in Edinburgh. We did cover them actually in the Edinburgh episode. They were killing people and donating the bodies to medical schools for money, and the schools were just like weird. But okay, thanks. Yeah, hundred percent. That was one of our first few episodes. I want to say I think it was episode, episode five. Five, maybe. Yeah, we did cover them. That's a crazy one because they still get their skeletons just like propped up in like a shop window, or at least one of them, anyways. Dude, that's a good question. Are you guys comfortable with donating your bodies to science? Because like I have some friends that have been through med school and are doctors and it's pretty like wild what they do to the bodies in training to become a doctor. Like, I mean, you're just there on full display and you know, I'm sure they treat you with respect, but I also heard them all like, you know, like joking about the bodies. They get really desensitized to it. And I, I don't, I don't I have too much body dysmorphia as is now. I don't need that in the afterlife. <laughs> so I, don't, I just don't think I could do that. I, don't I think, think so. that I think that it's directly cor- correlated to whether or not you believe in ghosts is going to determine whether or not you're going to donate your body to science. Because if you believe there's nothing, you just die and the lights are off, gone, then you probably don't care what happens to your body after. But if you believe that you're going to linger on behind 
in one way or another. You're not going to want to sit there and watch people make fun of your body. <laughs> doesn't mean you have to haunt the body. I mean, when I die, I don't care. Throw me in the dumpster. What do, you, what do I care what you do with my body? <laughs> like, like, who cares? It all goes back to Rob not having a family. <laughs> or, I mean, I mean, I want the Viking funeral. Like that's the hell of a funeral. They just drag a dumpster down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they push the dumpster into the lake. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, but we don't we don't have any arrows, so we just throw flaming trash from the dumpster at his body, floating away. Yeah, it's perfect. Just like uh, the Vikings we, did. It's called improvising. Okay, and <laughs> I think that's kind of going to do it for this episode of Candy Chase. I don't I don't know how We're we go on away. from the dumpster Viking funeral. So that's that's a good point. Uh, for the next few, uh, we'll say we'll take the next ten people who type stickers in chat, and we'll spin a wheel and give out some stickers. I want Noah to plug his show, but I just want to give a thank you to Kate, who made my new ghost sign here, which is pretty awesome but no why don't you tell us when we can listen to your show we've heard about it but we didn't say when yeah. and where to hear it yeah absolutely so we usually drop a couple episodes a week but the other ones are bonus episodes our mainstay comes out monday morning um it's real hauntings real ghost stories people come on and tell their own personal stories you can download it everywhere podcasts can be downloaded of course we're on instagram tiktok um as at real hauntings podcast but look i just appreciate you guys having me on here this was a blast um it was fun getting to have rob and dave on real hauntings and now i get to finally meet jesse uh even though rob and dave had nothing but nice things to say about you and uh yeah and it's been really cool to do this with chat uh my add brain was like all over the place <laughs> but uh yeah thanks for putting up with me for an hour it was awesome guys oh we appreciate you having on you're you're a great guest and and uh, I do appreciate it. I'll have to get on the next round of podcasts. Yeah. If I'm allowed. Seriously, everyone go check out his, uh, check out his podcast. It is well produced and it's well worth it for sure. Absolutely. And uh, check out hometownghoststories.com. We have new merch available now. Koozies, flashlights, keychain flashlights. They're up there. We had a bunch of orders come in. Those orders went out. So thank you to everybody who ordered that stuff. And uh, yeah, go check that out. And Anna from Let Me Tell You a Scary Story podcast. Don't forget to check out her show. Her links are in the show notes. And Friday episode will feature me. So check that out too. Another show we were successfully kept Jesse off of, <laughs> which is just which is just the goal at this point. It's like we're gonna do these guest spots, and Jesse's just never gonna come on. You know, you're gonna have to start typing out your own wheel of of names here. In the meantime, you can. Uh, <laughs> you can uh, read this out as we spin the wheel here. If I missed you on this one, we'll get you in on the next one. But we have roughly 10 people here. It looks more like 15. But hey, let's give it a spin and see who wins some stickers. All right, let's get them going. We got stupid day face rolling, rolling, rolling. Who's it going to land on? Who's it going to land on? And it looks like it's going to be. Oh, it's close. Oh, Jeanette just stole Jeanette. that one. Wow. <laughs> My goodness. Just, so Jeanette, send us your info. And we'll send you I'm so a, sorry. That was that was rude. That was that, Mackenzie's. That was Mackenzie's and, to win. And Jesse spelled your name wrong on the wheel too. Like that's just a. <laughs> that's yeah. See, it worked out that it didn't land on that because then who would we a, even have given it to? We wouldn't have known. It was just a big misspelling. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, you have one of a limited edition five pack of hometown ghost stories stickers, and we'll get that sent out to you. Just make sure we get your info. Send them over on Discord or via email. So Kim is saying she's going to get the Dave tattoo. I I'm hoping that is the same Dave tattoo that me and Rob have. Yes. 
And no, I don't know if you uh, got the contract or signed it that we sent over yeah, to you. But to be on the show, you have to get the tattoo on your knee that says Dave sucks. Yeah, yeah, I got it on my arm. See, you see it right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. So finally, someone that actually read the terms and conditions is perfect. <laughs> that would have been well, legendary if you actually had yeah. a, a tattoo on your arm. We're going to orchestrate that with the next guest just to get it done before the show even airs. At least yeah. write it on with a marker. Yeah, that'd Anyways. be great. Thanks again, Noah. We appreciate it. Uh, it has been an honor and and you've been great. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Cool, cool. What are we covering next week? Next week, we are going to Penhurst. Penhurst oh, is yeah. next week. Yeah. Oh, so, one. so visited great. it. Yes. Investigation, not so much because it was uh, crowded with thousands of people. So, but we did, uh, did explore it. We're probably going to set one up in the future, which would be fun. Do you have any reviews? Um, we don't have any reviews, but I do want to read something that got sent in to us on our Patreon. If you want to read, give our thanks to our Patreons, I'll pull that up. Yes. I'm just setting Friday. It's Friday bonus content. We are doing a movie review. The movie is martyrs from 2008. If you're one of those people that like to check out the movie before, you listen to our review we suggest you do that because we do like to spoil it however i will offer a disclaimer on this particular movie this is the most depraved movie that we have covered so far so if you don't like extreme violent horror don't watch this movie there's your warning mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot this movie's a lot it but certainly yeah. is so let's thank our patrons real quick for our vips we have allison v garrett genie r justin t lisa j mike Oubliet, b yeah, mom and pops w robert h demon king and inspires gaming we also have 32 drc ambie rose anna c chris c donnie n elizabeth young lily jake v janice g marfire matthew t papa squatch we have peach smoothie rachel b randy c sarah cook stephanie a sydney b al capone anthony t brandon w brennan b Catherine mcslugs uh brand new one kath q so thank you for joining and welcome to the uh, Ghost Pirate Mafia. We have Cody G. Hooska. Hooska. Castle. Huggy Bear. Joe R. Kiralee J. Mark M. Mariah M. Nuthouse Queen. Paul from St. Louis. Sam from Nepal. Sarah R. Scotty L. Solar Flare. Soph. Hooper. And Swanee. And I think the other Rachel B. is in there somewhere, but her name keeps going on and off this list. I don't know why. But thank you guys so much for being on Patreon. $3 a month, you can join in, get early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, bonus content, behind-the-scenes stuff, and your name in the credits, as well as brand new, just launched, we have your own special channels on Discord, which is Patreon-exclusive Discord channels, a Discord chat, as well as a voice chat, video chats, we'll be hosting pre-show hangouts on there. So I'm going to throw this out there a week early. We are due for a pre-show hangout next week. Usually that's for our $10 and up members i am going to open it up because it's going to be our first time on discord to all the three dollar and up tiers so we're going to do a bigger patreon hangout next tuesday at 8 15 so if you're sign up for the three dollar tier you can do the pre-show hangout with us next week absolutely and oh you know why you know why i didn't see rachel b is because we've actually reached a second page of patrons we've never had that before so that means we are over 50 patrons which is actually pretty awesome so i can't thank you guys enough again the only way we're able to do these live episodes and and getting better equipment and keep this show going is um through your support and so we thank you guys so much so yes there are other rachel b is on her own page she's got her own page on patreon but that means we're 
50 plus on Patreon. So I'm gonna we want on. one Rachel B on every page as we go forward. So yes. So if any other Rachel B's are listening out there, you, you have, have to, to sign up right now. Wait till we get another 50 patrons and then no, you can sign up there. right now. Just sign up now. <laughs> um, so. Speaking of Patreon, I do want to read this comment that we got on the Lake of the Dead from one of our Patreon members, uh, Nuthouse Queen, from last week's episode. She said, we did stay at Lake Lanier as a kid, and again, when Margaritaville opened for RV camping, it had full access to the lake. What was weird was we went just after Memorial Day, and not many others were there during the week. A decent-sized sleeper boat had somehow started to sink with lots of teens and young adults on it over that holiday. The boat was towed to a shoreline. The inside cabin submerged. We decided to swim to it and explore. It wasn't until you mentioned it in the podcast that I remember that I had a strange feeling the entire time. From deciding to jump off the pier to swimming the boat itself and back was creepy. I grew up on a lake, so I had never felt that before. It was daytime, sun out, but deathly quiet, and lake was completely still, like it was waiting for you. Only three of us swam to it, and you could not see anyone else or boats in the water. I did not have anything grab me, yet the water was so dark and motionless. Very uncomfortable feeling. I did not know the history till the podcast, and not sure if I feel better or worse about how it felt swimming that day. So now that you know that it's a corpse soup. Yeah. I would assume you don't feel better about it, but uh, thanks for that. Any any stories you guys have about locations that we've covered or visited, send those over. That's always always awesome. Do we yeah, read Chloe Chloe's review via Apple Podcasts last week? Yes. yes. Okay, that one actually. I, I got this email about it. It was that one actually came from Ireland. Oh, so, oh so from an Irish listener. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you guys. And if you uh, if you haven't already, drop a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, just leave a comment or uh, you know write up a review and we'll read it out live on the show if you do it on spotify feel free to email us or send us a, a review over on discord and we'll read it out on the show anything else gentlemen that's gonna do it for me cool we'll see you on friday for a movie review and then back on tuesday for penhurst with another episode of hometown ghost stories thank you guys so much we'll see you